This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Yes, this is Zero G on 3RRR. Thank you so much to Jackie with Room With A View. And I hope you are prepared for a good hour of science fiction, fantasy and historical. I am Megan McHugh and... Rob Jam. Actually, <laughs> hang on, we've got to do it right. We've done it right, but we need to, to call it radio. Oh, yes. <laughs> I haven't quite got my R rolls going yet, so I'm going to have to practice those. Um, Rob has just apparated into the studio with perfect timing. Um, this is episode 1214. Do you want to do title, Rob? I'll do title. You do the title. I'll do title. You've got to get settled. Yeah. Um, today's title is Fantastic Frogs and Where to Find Them. <laughs> Interesting. And the podcast title is Back to the Potterverse. Um, yeah, so we're going to chat about a couple of different movies today, but also some movie trailers from what I understand. Well, I'll be talking about them. I don't know if yeah, we're you'll talking, be talking we're about definitely them. talking about the trailers. Definitely talking about the trailers. Uh, and um, actually bo- mostly one movie, I think. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about the timing, uh, although I can tell you a little bit about uh, Mortal Engines and... Um, Overlord. Oh yes, a little some tidbits on those. Ben. Yeah, whether or not they're worth seeing or not. <laughs> You've just given me a look. I'm yeah. intrigued. I'm very intrigued. But and you, if, sorry, you go. No, you go. Um, <laughs> I did go to see Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. So, did you get along to that, Rob? No, I didn't. I'm afraid. That's all right. I shall cover it. I've got plenty to say. Mm-hmm. Not all of it. Uh, positive um so yeah shall we crack on with that first or maybe i'll play a track uh actually no let's let's crack on let's crack on all right we're pressed for time i think all right so yes i trotted along to see the latest in i mean i think what they're calling it is the wizarding world jk rowling's wizarding world franchise and that's kind of to get them out of this box that they sort of put themselves in with the first fantastic beast movie by um, kind of putting it in this box of it being about Fantastic Beasts, which... So, so this is a sequel, a prequel? It's a sequel to the Fantastic Beasts um, and Where to Find Them film that came out, I think, last year or the year before. But it is a very much a prequel to all of the Harry Potter canon that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some ties, of course, the biggest one being in this film that Dumbledore has a role, played by the strapping Jude Law, who I actually think is a very nice choice. Is he the third person now to play Dumbledore? He is indeed. So Richard Harris played Dumbledore before his passing and then um, Michael Gambon, of course, took over for the large majority of the films um, from Azkaban. <laughs> I'm trying to work it out. So this is the Large young, majority is like this, a double. <laughs> this is young Dumbledore. This is young Dumbledore. Okay. But there's also another actor in here playing young, young Dumbledore oh as a God. teenager. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and so, but this is... This is I mean, I guess young, but, you know, young adult Dumbledore. He's mm-hmm. probably, I mean, Jude Law's what, like, I guess they're meant to be in their 40s. I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad at judging age. Um, but, yes, this is meant to be, we're seeing a bit of Dumbledore's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's set in the 20s. It sort of picks up roughly where the previous Fantastic Beasts left off. Right. Um, and the sort of protagonist for these this series is Newt Scamander, who you'd be familiar with from seeing the first Fantastic mm-hmm. Beast film. And, and having seen the actor since and other things. Yes, of course. So he's like, um, you know, it's um, Eddie Redmayne, so he's quite 
popular at the moment. Um, and you would have seen him in Theory of Everything. Mm, yeah, and lots of different bits and pieces. He seems to have gone from strength to strength. Yeah, he's definitely... I think he's a lovely actor. And I think he's a really nice choice to for... Um, a protagonist, like in terms of the character, and I don't just mean because he's a Hufflepuff, but I just think it's a nice <laughs> in that you know that I like that he is a quieter character. The whole point is that he's not this kind of big, um, you know, sort of chest out hero. He's a little bit of a shyer, quieter type, and I really like that. That's what they've tried to centre here. Although he does get a bit lost in all the noise of this film, unfortunately. So I'll tell you a little bit about the plot. Mm-hmm. If I, I don't think this film knows what its own plot is. I think that's one of the big issues. But ostensibly we're following, we're all on a journey to find Credence, who was in the first Fantastic Beast, who is Ezra Miller. Yes. Of course, we know him most recently as the Flash um, in the Justice League film. And so, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. I'm not even going to lie. I'm straight off the bat. The plot is a mess. The whole thing is a bit of a hot mess. It's quite long as mm-hmm. well. It runs at over two hours. And I think things were probably cut out because there's large chunks of the plot that don't make sense. And there was, there must have been scenes that once helped us understand more of the plot and they've maybe been removed or something. So I think even though it's too long, some of what it's missing is a bit of exposition to help us piece together. Now, this is not, this is not based upon a novel, but actually J.K. Rowling did the script. She did. And so this is the thing is that I find quite interesting is that she's responsible for the plot here and kind of what they're doing with this wizarding law. Um, and I think it's just because she's used to writing books. So she's used to writing a big, long, complicated plot and then it gets trimmed down with the help of, I think Stephen Cloves has done a lot of the scripts and things like that. And so it's been helped a lot by someone trimming it down and pulling out what's cinematic. But she's, I think maybe because this is just me wildly <laughs> making yeah. general statements on radio, but maybe because she's used to that more large, complex story structure, that's why this is a bit of a mess because it's not kind of as written for film as it could be, like that kind of plot structure that you need to make a sensical film where the character's motivations are clear and aren't wildly... Like characters do things in this that are not explained, like quite large things, and... I found that to be quite a problem, not to mention there's a big mic drop at the end, Uh. which they've just kind of shoved in there as this big, you know, bonbon cracker surprise where you, like, pull it open and then there's something you just absolutely didn't expect inside that makes zero sense and kind of is just weird. (laughs) So... I've heard that it... um it, it plugs into the Harry Potter universe quite obviously because there are lots of uh, pre-positioning things they have to do. Is, does that work? It does and it doesn't. I think there's some things that have already been alluded to in the core Harry Potter franchise and then I think they're trying to build on top of that. There's also, I don't think this will ruin, I've already like ripped this thing to shreds so I apologise, but um, there's some scenes in Hogwarts which I quite enjoyed, but it did kind of make me think think about the film that I wished I was watching. Um, but Oh, that's never good. Well, just in terms of I think this isn't really a hero's journey story anymore. It's, it's just this, it's kind of meant to be this action piece on early days of the wizarding world and all these exciting things that happened and, you know, family histories and stuff, but it doesn't quite pull it off. Uh-huh. 
So, yes, there's some scenes in Hogwarts. There's scenes with Dumbledore, obviously not nearly enough in my opinion, which was another weakness I felt. I just wanted more young Dumbledore. How is Jude Lord as, as Dumbledore? I mean, he's good. Again, we, what we see of him I liked mm. quite a bit and I think he's trying to channel a bit of – he's not quite as, like, quirky as Gambon played Dumbledore, but also that could be explained by – you know, he's he's young and I think things are a bit more... He just hasn't kind of grown into that quirky old man thing yet. Um, I mean, another big part of the film, obviously, is, and in the title is Grindelwald. So he's a large part of the plot. So there's this fellow Credence and everybody wants to find out about his true identity and get their hands on him for reasons that are poorly explained, um, one of whom is Grindelwald, who, of course, is played by Johnny Depp, uh-huh. Is um, has been in the Harry Potter... You know, we've heard of him before. He's a character that we're familiar with. Um, And a lot of people are upset about Johnny Depp's casting for, you know, multiple reasons. And I don't want to... There's another conversation to have, which I don't want to have right now, about um, his sort of more personal conduct. But in terms of fit for character... I didn't like it because I didn't feel like he was a good fit to play Grindelwald. Oh, okay. He wasn't what I envisioned. I mean, I also think it should be a European actor because Grindelwald is meant to be European. He went to the European Hogwarts, Durmstrang. And so I just think that... um, It's just stunt casting. It was odd for me. And, it, I mean, it wasn't even like it was publicity casting because there was a lot of negative publicity that that came out of it as well. Um, But all that said, I don't think he was nearly as... (laughs) <laughs> affronting is what I'd thought. Okay. But again, he doesn't really have heaps to do here. Which is which grab bag, because we know Johnny grab Depp. Grab bag is a great, which, great. Which grab bag of character is he going to for this one? We know he's Jack Sparrow. This is the thing. You know. He didn't go overboard, in my opinion. He okay. didn't overplay it. Okay. And so that's probably why he didn't piss me off. Um, he didn't go full Jack Sparrow. He didn't go that weird Lone Ranger character that he was trying to do that was a bit racist. He didn't <laughs> overdo it. And he yeah. didn't try to go full, like, European evil either. So I think that was good. And, and, and so not, he didn't overact not, is not, what I'm saying. Not Barnabas Collins. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> so in that way, um, and I, I think on a very costuming level, like this film obviously looks great. Like the 20 setting is amazing. Um, yes, I love that about the first one. Yes, it's brilliant. And I think that's what I think is a bit of a missed opportunity because they hop around a bit in location, but most of the film takes place here in Paris for this current one. Um, And so I love the idea of this around the world, seeing about, because last one was in New York, seeing what different wizarding worlds look like and, you know, the glamorous setting and seeing younger versions of characters, which is why it's such a disappointment, I think. Yeah. Because all of that sounds so cool, like, um, if pulled off. So, yeah, so the large crux of this all takes place in Paris. There's a climactic conclusion, which isn't very tense or exciting. Um, wherein they're tracking down Credence. And he also comes across a couple of other characters who we are to deduce their roles based on what we know from the Harry Potter series. Oh, what about his... Uh, I don't want to call him a sidekick. <laughs> the, the character from the uh, the first one of these. Jacob. Jacob, The yeah. fellow, yes. Yeah. So he reappears. Okay. Um, and, you know, he was a bit of the comic relief... Um, I thought he did well, ...in actually. the first film. And he was great in the first film. And this is the problem with the Grindelwald film is that it's too crowded that Uh, no one has enough room to... So he just seemed a bit extraneous. And in some ways, like, he goes running off to the final battle and I'm like, mate, 
like, sorry, but you're a muggle. Like, I don't know what you think you're doing because you're now just endangering yourself. And, and the hero because the hero will have to look after you. Well, and that's it. Like, yeah. and it's all quite, it's kind of shoved in the reasons why he's oh. doing that. And then there's, um, so a lot of the characters from the first are in it. So Queenie is in it again. Uh-huh. And um, the love interest character whose name I've just, has just totally escaped me, played by <laughs> Catherine Waterston, um, Tina. So she's in there too. So they've brought in characters that we know and they've introduced more of um, Lita Lestrange is a new character who was hinted at in the first movie and she's played by Zoe Kravitz who um, was Angel in X-Men and you'd know her from various different bits and bobs. I think she's in one of the Hunger Games as well. Um, One of the Hunger Games. One of the Hunger Games. And so she's a character that has a bit more screen time here um, and th- but there's just a bit of a mess. You're not really even sure who's pitted against each other. Um, oh, and is, so I just... This is alarming. Yeah, and I what think... Are we, we're at 11, aren't we, or 10? 10 films, 11 I films, something like that? maybe 10. Yeah. No, there were eight and then, yeah, so 10. Yeah. Um, and I think probably I took to it so poorly because I was so disappointed with it. Um, like nothing in it really... I mean, the Hogwarts stuff I got really excited by... Um, but some of the flashback stuff just don't really add to the plot that much. It doesn't really move much forward. Um, it's there's there's not that many fantastic beasts in it. Like there are, and there are some great ones that are based on like Chinese folklore and some Indonesian folklore, and also um, a Japanese water demon and things like that. Oh, cool! But they're very they're just not as. I mean, one of the the Chinese. I think it's. Um, the Chinese one is really well done. Uh-huh. It's sort of, it moves a lot like a, you know, the Chinese dragons they have in parades and things. And sure. I did look up that they use puppeteering to get a lot of that effect, which I think looks really great in the film. Um, so there are some beasts. Well, and there of should course, be a lot because some this is, you know. There's fewer than there was in the first. Oh, no. Um, I mean, some of our favourites appear again. And obviously, we get a bit of a scene in um, Newt's kind of little not zoo. That's the that's the wrong word. Like sanctuary area, um, but it's not really about beasts anymore. Oh, which is why I think they're going to try to move away from from that being the the title because it started like that. But I think now it's just moving. When you more said away from our favourites, for some reason I thought, oh, Slimer's in it. <laughs> wrong franchise. Wrong franchise. Oh, um, the soundtrack this time round. I, I rather like the soundtrack from the first one. Uh, have you got something to play from it? I do indeed. So, I mean, the soundtrack, it has a couple of the same notes um, that we're familiar with. So this one is by James Newton Howard. He uh-huh. did the um, the score for Fantastic Beats. So I'm going to play, I'll play a track um, which is called Dumbledore's Theme. Oh. So <laughs> it's a piano track and so we might give that a bit of a listen. All right, so this is uh, Dumbledore's theme. SOS, SOS, Mayday, help. I am being held captive by rogue makeup artists who want to cover my face in plaster and latex rubber. Panic mode. Get me the hell out of here. Yes, that was Dumbledore's theme from Mm. the soundtrack to The Crimes of Grindelwald uh, by James Newton Howard. Uh Um, I... (laughs) I said to Rob while the track was playing, I was like, oh, gosh, I really just went for it, didn't I? I hadn't even planned to go in that strong, but as soon as I started talking about it, I was like, oh. You blurted. Oh. And I had all my notes and then I just would see, like, little notes I'd made and then I just, it all came tumbling out. Tumbledore. Exactly. Exactly. Is the, um, okay, so how would you, if you had to, 
and you do, mm. rate, rate this in terms of where does this sit in terms of quality amongst mm. the ten Potterverse films? I guess this is a thing, is that I think it is a well-made film mm. in that there are parts of it look great. Uh, the cre- Some of the creature stuff is really well done. It's lovely. Um, and I like the inclusion of certain types of characters as well. Um, but overall, it just left me empty. I wasn't really excited by that much, oh. which was really disappointing because I love Newt's Commander as a character. I think they just tried to do a bit too much, but it didn't actually move the franchise that much more forward, in my opinion, because you could say what are two key, you'd say there were two key things that happened, and even then that's a bit of a stretch. And one of the key things is the reveal to me is weird. I don't know where they're going to go with that. Um, and we and we can look at this as the middle film of a trilogy, really, can't we? Yeah, they're definitely moving into, I guess, a big third act. Yeah. I mean, it's not... Because I love Harry Potter, and as someone who just completely loves that whole world and that, that whole kind of... I mean, franchise is the wrong world, word because I don't think of it as a franchise. I think of it as a way of life. But no, like, <laughs> who lo- loves all of that... I don't know if it makes it better or worse because there's still things that I delighted in, like some of the magic stuff that Newt does. I like how they show that he is a very good wizard. He's not all bells and whistles of like, you know, doing, you know, curses on everybody, but he's very good at magic and he uses it cleverly. And I liked how they did that. Um, So I still delight. And, you know, the Hogwarts stuff, I was like, oh, Hogwarts. Um, but then I don't know if it makes it worse because then I'm more disappointed by what the film could have been and what's happening to the wizarding lore and what that means for the the canon that I know. I don't know. A colleague of mine came back from um, um, the shops the other day saying she was looking for something in particular for a uh, Christmas present for a kid and she said that they're full of Harry Potter stuff. I didn't know there was a Harry Potter movie out. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And it's done, I mean, it's done quite well. So I did look up, I was wondering, um, I mean, it's still opened with like 250 million globally. Yeah. So obviously obviously it's still made a lot of money, but like you don't want to, I mean, making money, but if you piss off fans, like. That's pretty strong language. Well, I mean, (laughs) would I consider myself a pissed off fan? No, but I think. The direct, I think it's 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 the whole direction, yeah. and with the Harry Potter series, there's a very clear direction of where things were going because largely you knew. Yeah. Um, yeah, because this is a prequel, really. We know what where it ends up. Well, yeah, we know very much the end point. I mean, it's not going to be the end point because they're not going to stitch together perfectly. There'll be quite a few decades in between. Mm. Um, yeah, I I just think that. I felt disappointed by it. But, yeah, like I said before, I, I, I was like, is that too strong? It's not. I felt a bit empty. I fe- it made me feel empty after. <laughs> hmm. I wasn't very excited by it. All right, so give me a, a yeah. Well, actually, no, wait a second. I did want to ask you about um, uh, Johnny Depp's character in this. Mm-hmm. We know that J.K. Rowling has been magnificently sticking the tweet into the Donald. Yes. Um, and yeah, she's there a good are, tweeter. There, you know, reading the, the character bio of this, he sounds like a bit of a popularist. And is, mm. is he like a? And he's he's a funny colour in this, like not not orange Cheeto coloured, but you know, yeah, like, they really give him. Is he like, uh, like no. a stand into Donald Trump? They or? don't really they don't really lean into that very okay. much. Um, I just wanted to know. <laughs> this is the thing: is that I think maybe even if like things like with Magneto, 
he's got a very clear, you know what he's about and he's a very strong presence. And I think mm. Grindelwald to me just isn't a strong strong enough character uh, yet. That's fatal. If, if you're hanging a movie off a villain, yeah, the villain has to be there for the, for the thing. Yeah, I just don't, I just, I'm not, I just haven't clicked with him yet on, on any level. Mm. So, but that, I mean, look. And the villain game is up to, you know, I mean, look at, look at Thanos. Mm. You know, that's, that is a benchmark yeah. for how to, how to play a great villain. Exactly. I mean, and underneath all that weird, like, butt chin makeup, like, if you're, you know, can do that, mm. you can do anything. Um yeah, I mean, look, Harry Potter fans will probably still see this. I didn't see it for several weeks because I'd heard such mixed reviews. Um, yeah, just a bit disappointed. Okay, I want, I want you to give a yeah, no, maybe rating. I mean, obviously, if you don't know anything about the Harry Potter universe, this is going to mean nothing to you. I think it will be quite hard if you're coming in because yeah. it doesn't make sense to someone who knows what it's kind of trying to do, Uh-oh. let alone a, a new person. But then... I mean, maybe the new person will be more forgiving. Mm. It's hard to say. I'll let you know when I watch it. Yeah, do. Actually, yeah. I'd be interested to know your thoughts. It's uh, definitely not as good as the first one. Okay. So. In terms of a yeah, no, nah, maybe rating? I'd say maybe. Just because if you're a Harry Potter fan, you'll see it. Yeah. Um, I just feel it didn't further the lore for me. It just detracted from it in some ways. Mm. Okay. Oh, God, I feel empty and sad. You're a traitor. A traitor to I was know. It? Hufflepuff. I just think sure oh, I'm, I'm not a Hufflepuff, but I have big love for Hufflepuffs. Have you swapped schools? Are you now? Like, let me get it this. Are you a Slytherin now? No. Oh gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Um, oh, they, the Hogwarts uniforms in this were great. I really like the old school Hogwarts uniforms. So okay. That's my final word on that. All right. Crimes of Grindelwald. Do you have a track to? Uh, <laughs> I do have another take one. Take us out of this one. Yeah, I have another short track. Um, so this one is called "Traveling to Hogwarts." So it's just a little short one. It's from the score as well. So. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels. So you can believe me when I say that Zero G on Three Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the Black Stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. You know, just listening to Terry Pratchett there makes me wonder someday, you know that'll happen, someday somebody is going to do like um, Discworld franchise movies as opposed to television, telling movies and so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it will be like, you know ginormous but that's going to be really difficult to do yeah i mean and i think it's because it's not it's also not ginormous you know it's like mm. fine humorous details and and you got to get it i mean that'd be something that if you're gonna do it you either get it right or you're never working again <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm savage today anyway my rant's over what's next uh i'd like to play a little track for Ooh. you so yes. here we go Wow! Hey, Space Buddies! I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf. And I gotta tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee-length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci-fi pum-pum on three triple R. Oh, the, the, the chills went up my spine then. 
the seismometer and air pressure sensors aboard NASA's French, freshly, freshly, freshly landed Mars Insight probe Ooh. picked up vibrations on Mars. Nice one. That can be interpreted as sounds, allowing us to hear for the first time in history the wind on another world. Oh my God, imagine if we heard like an alien message in there. Yeah, or if they're humming a Christmas carol or something. <laughs> Possibilities. Yeah, Ma, Santa Claus versus the Martians. The, <laughs> the audio boffins jiggered with that to make things a little bit more easy to hear for a puny human ears. Our yeah. feeble eardrums. Yeah. A Martian dust storm, as you all know, isn't nearly windy enough by Earth's standards to cause the kind of dramatically licensed damage that occurred in the Martian. The dust itself can be quite a hazard and that can gum up things, mm-hmm. get into all the cracks and joints of the spacesuits and play hell with your iPad, I'd imagine, oh. and uh, may present electrostatic dangers. So it's not really enough to... It's not re- even a Hufflepuff of a breeze. It's <laughs> not going to do anything to you. But, wow, they, they, they just, you know, I mean, we played um, some space sounds before when they mm. uh, sent back the sound of the solar wind uh, from one of the, um, the long-distance probes. But, you know, it's just like, what, what when humanity sets out to do something, and robots... Robotic, ro, ro, romanity, robotmanity, automaty, I don't know. <laughs> um, we're going to have to sort all that out, aren't we? All those terms. AIs will be quite snippy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we can do some great things and put our minds to it. Uh, okay, um, not so great. Netflix has cancelled a further fourth season of Daredevil in the wake of shutting down Iron Fist and Luke Cage. <sighs> And probably, I wouldn't think why you wouldn't, the Defenders crossover series as well. I mean, it would be weird if not. (laughs) Leaving it with season three of Jessica Jones to stream next year and possibly the Punisher season too. Um, I'm going to miss Nelson, Murdoch and Paige. Yeah. Um, But I do think that they brought the series into a natural conclusion with the defeat of Kingpin and Bullseye in the last season. Spoilers. (laughs) I mean, if they're going to wrap it, they're going to have... So I don't think... It was pretty epic. Um, Marvel Studios have left the door open for the return of the characters. Mm. Don't know if the same people, but, you know... Oh, they've got to be, though. Yeah, I think they're really... Such good casting. Yeah. And, you know, we still want to see Daughters of the Dragon and... Exactly. Which actually has its own comic, too, by the way. Uh Oh, They've rolled into that. Maybe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or in some form on the new Disney streaming channel. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. we have been watching um, Captain Marvel's second trailer, which has dropped. Yep, a longer one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I re-watched the the first one as well, which they kind of overlap. You know, they always put bits and pieces in. Because the first one's really a teaser where they just give you bits and bobs of, you know, set set the scene... Captain Marvel, not to be mistaken for the also soon to come onto our screens, Shazam, which is a whole other DC Captain Marvel, and let's not crack open that can today <laughs> very much. Um, I love the trailer. The, the, the little old It opens with a little old lady scroll that um, um, I can't call her Cap, really, can I? I can, but I can't. Colonel Danvers, I know, Carol. Yeah. I like to call her Carol. <laughs> she has this stash of the little old lady scroll, a shapeshifter on a train. Oh, yeah. That, no, that, that <laughs> was a, a good start. That's a hoot. Um, I, like, I like her uh, her uh, Cree um, uniform. Mm. It looks like the real deal. It's cool. It's cool as. And, and they actually do the colour change green to red it, uh, throughout the um, nice. course of the trailer. Um, obviously, once she gets to Earth and sees the 
um, Earth's mightiest hero mm-hmm. in action, um, you'd want to throw Hot Rod Red into your costume. Because, <laughs> uh, actually, she doesn't get on at all well with Tony ever. Excellent. <laughs> In fact, she kills him once. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I love the way her hair floats down when the helmet retracts and stows away. The helmet stuff is really cool. Oh, so I cool. think what I saw of the costume, what they're doing with the costume in that trailer is awesome. Yeah. Um, they hit a lot of the grace notes that I, I know from the Captain Marvel comics. Mm. Um, um, her Air Force career, uh, her attitude. Um, you know, I hope Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's one of the great, the iconic DeConnick writers, yeah. writers for Captain Marvel. I hope that she really likes this because it just, it just, she looked like Carol out of um, um, the last time I saw her in the team up comics, Mighty Avengers. Oh, yeah. She had that sort of um, um, force to her. Yep. Um, so I just loved all that. Uh, Jude Law, once again, Yay. showing up here as we think as Marvel, as the original career Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, but it's possible he might also be something else because uh, there are scrolls in play, there are shapeshifters, there are all sorts of things that can happen. Mm. Uh, and, and a quick shot of um, Monica Rambo, who is another Captain Marvel. Okay. Um, her nickname is uh, her. her uh, her call sign on the plane that she was flying uh, was um, Photon, mm-hmm. and she is actually a character who's got her own superhero sort of thing going as well. Um, I love Captain Marvel bringing the space pain to the scrolls. I'm assuming in this big battle. Oh, yeah. that looks so great. It, I, I think it showed all the right elements of, like, because I'm not that familiar with mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. So I was like, what am I to expect from this film? Okay. Um, but it shows you exactly the kind of movie it is. Like, it is about her origin story. Um, but, you know, it also shows a bit about how she gets to where she is. I mean, that's the origin story. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, like, kind of her, what she'd done before, like, snippets of the whole, yeah. I think it just showed enough so I know I'm ex- more excited after seeing it. And it's set in the 1990s too. Yeah. Or at least part of it. Can't wait and for they that sweet 90s fashion. We wondered why... Um, she hadn't aged. She she probably won't age between now and, and Avengers Endgame if she shows up in that, which we think no. she will. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. In the trailer, they say that she's been given a Cree treatment, and and uh, it's going to preserve her, her. her youth. Yeah. Basically. So that's a very handy way for her to appear in Endgame, looking the way she does. Yes. Yes. Um, I love Samuel L. Jackson being young Sam, yeah. young Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised that they can pull that off. I mean, mm. the way they turned Chris Evans into a stick figure for the first Avenger movie. That still freaks me out a bit. Or young Tony Stark in Civil War. Yes, you know, that so. also freaked me out. But it's still wonderful to see when you yeah. think about it. It's pretty cool. It has some sinister implications for using dead actors. Mm. Well, we've seen them well, do that. Yeah, you know. for the Star Wars, uh, Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, you know, thinking of Richard Harris, um, Oliver Reed in... Um, uh, Gladiator. Oh, yeah. That would have been one of the very early yeah. examples of... Necro-replacement. Yeah. I'd hope I haven't coined a term. No, I don't think so. It's not catchy enough. But now I'm going <laughs> to think in my head until I do come up. <laughs> <laughs> but they And they do all that. There's that conversation around, like, artists as well, like touring artists and if yeah. you can get a good enough AI hologram. Anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and... 
this probably meant nothing to you at all at the end of the, uh, the, the, the second trailer. Nick Fury stoops down to um, pat a cat. Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, he, and then she's like, Nick. Yeah. And the cat's got a little tag on its collar that says Goose because I, I looked. Of course. And um, <laughs> Goose is a character from Top Gun. Yeah. Which makes sense yeah, for yeah. an Air Force colonel like Carol. Yeah, right. But in the comic books, that cat is called Chewy. Oh, really? And it, it, it's a special cat. It's it's uh, They call it mm-hmm. Flurkin. Mm. And um, it's a special cat. Okay. <laughs> so, Interesting. So all of the Captain Marvel fans are going, oh, Squee, Chewy. Yeah, right. And actually, I don't see why they couldn't call it Chewy because Disney, Star Wars, you know, why not? Maybe they... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't want to confuse things. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it means that they can do something new with the cat. Like it can be, you know. Maybe it's not Chewy. Maybe, maybe it's just yeah. a cat. Like maybe it'll, I don't know what Chewy does, but maybe it does that, but Chewy does they eat. can add stuff, you know, make it its own cat. Chewy, I think chew- that's cute. Chewy chews gum kicks. and kicks ass and he's all out of gum. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so we roll over from mm. that because yes. we've got the Avengers Endgame trailer. So first off, we know the title now, Endgame. Yes. Which makes total sense because they mention it in the other movie. Um, That's right, Doctor Strange. And it is really the wrap-up of 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which they make a big thing of in the trailer because they have that Marvel Studios and then there's the te- the I and the O become the 10 and it's all and, it uh, drifts away. It, drifts, it doesn't survive the uh, what they're calling the Snapageddon. <laughs> when yeah. Thanos snaps his fingers, that doesn't survive. The logo, the studio doesn't yeah, survive. Yeah, so it's, I, I like that they're kind of being like, look, we've done this thing for a decade. You know, you know we've kicked ass by making this one big cinematic universe yeah. and now we're going to, I guess, destroy it. I don't know. It's like a Lego thing. You build it all up and now they're just going to stomp on it. Lego Thanos actually is quite funny. <laughs> is so, there a Lego Thanos? Of course, of course there is. <laughs> um, he's got this little car. Does he have like an extra? Yeah, How do they yeah, do the this chin? Is a, yeah, this is a chin. <laughs> little car, the Thanos car that's shaped like the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, yeah, nice. On the front. <laughs> it's terrible. You know, and then a little Tony car chases him around. <laughs> anyway, um, this completely threw me back to the end of um, Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail and my, my partner, Gail and I, are sitting there stunned. She's a Cap fan. Yeah. I'm a Tony fan. We're also into crossing on all that. She's yeah. a Tony fan, Cap fan, et cetera. You, you appreciate other yeah, characters. Yeah. Sure. I, I, you know, I still have Captain America on my pull list. You would know why I was excited by this trailer. The return of Hawkeye. Of course, yes. Clint. <laughs> yes. There he is, looking very sad. Oh, he's gone through something. Yeah, we're pretty sure he's probably lost his family. He's probably lost all of his family, so he's gone rogue. He's probably fact, gone to circuses stealing. He's gone Ronan. Ooh, okay. Which is a character that he plays. Ah, yeah. like well, dark Clint. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, less purple. <laughs> so, yeah, see him. And he's in Japan too from the look of it. Yeah, and um, Natasha Black Widow looks surprised to see him. Yeah. So. Mm. So that, that looks great. I'm glad to see Clint coming in because he's one of the founding Avengers in the MCU, so we've got to see him. And, like, I feel bad because in that first Avengers he was just brainwashed and then they gave him cool stuff to do and then he wasn't in one, so yeah, I want yeah. him to kick some butt. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll take the sh- – you know – because he and Ant-Man are in this, mm. there is potential for them to take the shot in this one. Mm. I think they've actually done that before in one of the other movies. In fact, yes, they have. Uh, but where um, where Ant-Man would get onto the arrow 
Yeah, yeah right. Well, yeah. Potential for that again. And sorry, you go on. Uh, I like that they kept the tonal mood of the ending of Infinity War. Mm. It's um, it's very appropriately low key. Yeah, I see what you do. <laughs> but, it, but it does say that they're not worried about putting out a bleak trailer that could turn off a potential audience because they know we're welded on. Yeah, I don't think they're worried about <laughs> no. butts on seats. Oh, I don't like, didn't like that trailer, not going to go see the film. Exactly. No, it's not going to happen here. Um, the opening with Tony Stark aboard the um, the Guardians of the Galaxy ship, the Milano, mm-hmm. if it's still called that. Cause this is so, a, no, it's the second ship. It's, it's called, the second ship. I know it. I can't think of it now. Anyway, uh, it's based on the Milano. Um, and, of course, his, his, uh, his fancy new um, uh, nanotech uh, bleeding edge armour is stuffed. Mm. Um, he's just got the helmet there and he's using it to record a last... Not transmit, but record a last message to Pepper. Yeah. And it all hearts feels. Mm. Arc reactor all crying, leaking. <laughs> You're crying. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's so not going to die running out of air in space. No. This is Tony Stark. He's going to MacGyver it, even if he has to turn Nebula into an O2 plant. If they, if he did die like that, they wouldn't show it in the trailer. No. I, he's going to MacGyver himself home. It'll be fine. Or be rescued hmm? by, well, we know that Carol's incoming. Yeah, I mean, Nebula's going to do a thing. Like, she's mostly machine now. Yeah. So she could probably just wade out into the atmosphere. This is my, you know, and there are so many theories. Um, it's all speculation. So I reckon because Thor has um, Stormbreaker, the hammer, yes. which can open the Bifrost. Right. Um, I reckon that either that he could come out there and get him, um, but maybe might not be so easy. So maybe mm. he'll bring someone with him. Um, someone wearing an actual space suit. It's also a good opening for, yeah, I don't know, maybe, yeah. And I reckon I reckon it could be Pepper. Really? Yeah, because Pepper's um, armoured um, character is Rescue. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm wondering if, if it'll be Pepper who saves Tony. Yeah, right. You know, I like be, that idea. That's a good idea, I think. Um, but then it all falls down, how do they know where he is? They know he went to Titan, mm. uh, but space is pretty big. There must be – they'll find something that will allow them to transmit Maybe he position. turns Nebula into an emergency well, beacon. I, I was going to say something <laughs> – there'll be some reason why they're stranded together specifically. Yeah, if they are because, you know, these trailers, they're, they're, they're tricky and, and quite often in Marvel trailers they have mm. given us stuff to, but then faked us out. Yeah. Um, I really hope that Rocket Raccoon gets to meet Captain Marvel's cat, <laughs> as they have in the comics. Chewy slash goose. Yep. Um, Bruce Banner was looking at pictures of the lost ones, the ones yeah. who'd been dusted, uh, and Shuri was in the was in the in the shot. Yeah, but that may not be all it seems because one of the other characters he looks at is um, Ant Man, Scott Lang. Exactly, and he, I mean, he appears. He at the appears end of the trailer at the end. Yeah, but I've read some theories around that and what how they're going to maybe tackle the whole thing well one he's from the end of ant-man and the wasp he was trapped in the quantum realm yeah now he's back how did that happen and maybe some kind of time travel duvalaki and he's rolled up to the avengers uh, headquarters with a van full of cutting edge pim tech exactly so i feel like there's going to be a vortex of some type mm. involved um i really hope that his wombat lewis <laughs> survive <laughs> And I really hope that they open this movie with Lewis doing the storytelling recap. Oh, God. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Why I not? Just, my theory has always been since the end of the first one yeah. was 
all the people that are left, I think, are people who are no longer going to be in the franchise. Well, we've got core Avengers. We're back to the core Avengers. Exactly. And I know some of them aren't, like, signed on to do any more movies. And so I think there'll be some... And then there's some characters who were dusted. That's such Buffy speak. But who were dusted, who are going to have more movies. So I feel there's going to be some kind of swapping or sacrifice or something. Mm. And this is their last hurrah, their last movie, to to do the thing and save the day, leaving things open for, yes. um, you know, Starman. Starman? Starman. What's not Starman? What is it? Captain Marvel. Whatever. No, no. What's Thingo's name? Chris Pratt's Star- Star-Lord. Star-Lord. But he's dusted, remember? <laughs> well, this is the thing, leaving it open for all those characters to be saved. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, and there was Thanos' scarecrow armor. He's, he's retired mm. to his little farm in the country. He's just trying to live his life with 50% of the population dead. Yeah, that's straight out of the comic book too. Oh, yeah, I actually saw a little snippet of that. And they did confirm that it wasn't just 50% of um, sentient beings. It was all living things, Aww. which would screw up the cosmos so much because like microbes and bacteria, you know? You can't just randomly do it either. The, That's upsetting. The, they're going to have to seriously explore the, um, mm. the implications of the Snapageddon. I mean, more than just showing that um, nobody's swept the leaves out of the driveway of the Avengers headquarters. <laughs> yeah, That's right. the only sign. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be more to it than that. Gosh. Um, Cap's got rid of his beard so he knows things are serious. Yeah. He's gone back to clean face. And Cap was crying. Yeah. Gail said, uh, <laughs> that's it, Thanos is do- toast. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's crying for Sharon Carter, his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a little, you know, thingy. Well, yeah, well, there's a hand holding Cap's World War II compass, which has got um, Peggy Carter's picture mm. pasted into it. But I had a close look at that, as you do. Yeah. It's not Cap's hand. Oh, is it like a, a woman's hand? It looks like Widow. Ooh, it looks like her uniform. Cause interesting. It, but for various <gasps> Maybe he'll reasons. go off and do something spontaneous and then she's going to have to figure out what he's done and go and save him. Because, hmm. yeah, I've been looking up a lot of theories about this trailer. Maybe it's like they lack direction, so we use Captain America's compass. Oh, Mor- maybe it's it's like his moral magic. compass. <laughs> no swearing. No more swearing. <laughs> oh, dear. So there's a lot to get out of a, a simple trailer like that and a lot that we think that we can get out of it. Yeah. I've definitely come up with a lot of theories that yeah. are probably wrong. Yeah, <laughs> me too. You know, I mean, uh, the, my my big theory is that Cap and Tony, neither one can die until they uh, have reconciled. Because mm. yes, that's a grace note. Oh yeah, Cap's got to get his shield back. Mm. Th- that's got how it's got to play. Um, and if we do anything about sacrificial stuff, it's it could be it could be one of them or both of them together. But a lot of and a lot of the ones that have someone left, their counterpart has kind of been dusted. So I mm. feel like maybe that. Yeah, I don't know. Oh God, that Spider Man Tony moment at the end that well, we, still breaks me. We know every, we know that Spider Man's coming back. Well, we, this is what I mean. We know that Strange has got to come. They're back. They're gonna sort. They're gonna sort it out. All of the Guardian. Well, most the Guardians, of the Guardians have, come, will come have got back. to come back. We don't know about Thor. Yeah, that could go either way, uh, and Banner. As well, mm. I think it's unlikely they'll kill the Hulk because how do you do that? Actually, um, one of the things about Banner um, that I that I 
people have been discussing, why did Heimdall send the Hulk to Earth instead of somebody else? And the answer seems to be that if you send somebody through the Bifrost without mm. the Rainbow Bridge, mm. just using Heimdall's sword to open it as the key to open it, um, uh, even if they're very, very powerful, it, um, it, it, it knocks the stuffing out of them, mm. unless they've got a, a mystic weapon as well. Right, okay. And uh, Thor didn't have Molnir then. He's already been bashed up by um, Thanos. He might not have survived this time. Yeah. But Hulk, yeah. he's got the, the you know, the, the stuff, uh, the stuff to, to, to survive it. Yeah, interesting. So that seems to be the answer okay. to that. And I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Uh, another th- question that occurred to me... Um, we see Thor, he's looking sad. Yeah, sad Thor. Oh. Sad Thor. But there's a, probably a reason for that. If you recall in Thor Ragnarok, Hela killed a hell of a lot of Asgardians. Mm, that's real right. Real slaughter. They're in a very bad spot. And then in uh, the first Avengers Infinity War movie, Thanos killed half of the survivors when he attacked. Oh, God. So did the finger snap take another 50%? So are the Asgardians now like an endangered species? Probably. Yeah, you know, so, wow. <laughs> no wonder he's unhappy. Well, and it's like that thing he says in the first one. He's like, all this stuff's happened to me. Yeah. So who's going to take the place of that sort of God-level mm. um, race in, yeah, in the like, MCU? Um, what do they call it? The Eternals mm. seems to be the hot sort of idea. They're another mm. Jack Kirby-created race. And I, I could see that. Because um, they actually have a whole bunch of characters who have got god names too, like okay. Mercury and oh. you know, and Cersei and all this sort of stuff. It's uh, it's quite interesting. So I think they could do that because that ties in with the Celestials, who are already yeah, part okay. of the MCU. Such Gosh, geekery. There's a lot. There's a lot to consider. Yeah, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Um, anyway, I think uh, whether or not Loki is coming back, we don't know. He's an unfortunate lad. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be some. There'll definitely be casualties. But he's in, he's going to have a, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a Marvel Studios Disney streaming series. Ah. So whether that, that oh, could that's be what a, you said with Tom with him as yeah same. as Loki. That could Excellent. be a prequel though. Could be. Could be. Anyway, he's an unfortunate lad, and I think we'll play that track by Brendan Gleeson <laughs> from the Coen Brothers movie, Love The it. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is China Mieville, author of Perdido Street Station and The Scar, and you're listening to Zero G on 3RRR FM. Okay, we're sort of running into the end game for Zero G for today, and we haven't even talked about um, Doctor Who. I know. Uh, called They Take It Away. That's why you put frog in the title. That's why I put title. frog in the title, yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to get time to properly unpack that one today. Uh, look, I, I did enjoy it. Mm. Um, I thought it was a very hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy sort of thing. Yeah. Even though, you know, especially since it was set amongst all those fjords. Gosh, Graham, it just broke me. That Oh, they broke us, Why do they? they do that? Oh, all the feels there. Poor and then I Graham. did, I cried at the end. Uh, it, it had it had a lot of tonal gear changes in it. It did. Uh, I don't know if they all worked, but I did like the pocket universe, the the idea uh, mm. not, that there was. And they didn't kill it. No, at the no, end. I like that. Um, uh, this this doctor is generally uh, very much anti-killing, and yeah. I, I kind of like that. You know, yeah, I do. Too. I, I know that that flies in the face of some standard dramatic sort of 
thoughts about every situation has to involve <laughs> life or death and uh, you must blow it up or kill the you enemy. You have to make a decision. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. But I, I like the way that this that, that um, Jody's doctor sometimes talks away out of things. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, at the same time while she's doing that wicked sonic screwdriver arm that she Yes, does. <laughs> I love how she's like. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's there. Maybe they're using it a bit too much, but, you know. I'm into it. I'm yeah. into it. Well, we might unpack that one a little bit more next week when we actually watch the final episode of Doctor Who for this season. I can't season. believe it's already no, it's just final. It's like, you know, it is like the Doctor. They just ran through it, yeah. down the corridors, up the corridors, and here we are. And then there's a New Year episode, no yes, Christmas yes. episode. Okay. No. All and right. then there's nothing <gasps> until 2020. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That came and went very quickly yeah, in my did, mind. So, you know. Uh, and um, I also did see uh, uh, Mortal Engines and Overlord. Yes. Um, and I just quickly tell you, I was very disappointed by Mortal Engines. Mm. Uh, not in the not in the absolutely mind-boggling production design, uh, and the casting was good too. But the um, the dialogue and to a large extent. The characterization, not yeah. everybody, but some of them were some of them were good, but the rest of them were just there were so many. It's like the Harry Potter, the um, Harry Potter uh, Grindelwald thing, yeah, Grindelwald. yeah, too many characters, yeah. Uh, and I actually felt that they'd like maybe packed the uh, the book that it was based on all four of those books into one into one, but they didn't. Gosh. It just felt that it way. was just too busy. Yeah, it was like you'd be introduced to a possibly potentially fascinating character with lots of about luggage and <laughs> never got to see them unpack it, oh except gosh. in one or two cases. Uh, so I, but just for the production design, go and see it on the big screen. You know, I can say that because you know it's special effects and it's oh my god that was glorious. The trailer did look pretty. Mm. Yeah, pretty nuts. Mm. But we may we may have another bit more of a look at that. And I saw in the Overlord film, which is World War Two Nazis experimenting, doing awful, unholy. But it's everything isn't it? like it's way too much. From what I saw, it looked like it was doing too much in one film. Um, Overlord or Overlord. Overlord, yeah. Um, no, actually, it's a pretty straightforward movie. Okay. Uh, it reminds me of a lot of B grade movies from the eighties, um, where they put together a pretty good story about um, Nazis doing experiments mm. and uh, and a plucky band of da-da-da-da will yep, go against, yep. against them. But uh, there's only one woman. Is there more than one woman? The trailer only showed one woman. Uh, there is, sort of. <laughs> I suppose if we're going realistic, but still. Well, yeah, it's a military operation I in know, World War Two, And that one, that one woman is um, um, kind of a partisan nature, so that makes okay. sense too. Okay, all right. Um, I'll forgive it. But, but it has got a hell of an opening sequence. It's mm-hmm. like Saving Private Ryan or Edge of Tomorrow, actually, is probably the closer one. Okay. Um, but, oh, and, the, and the lead actor is brilliant in his role. Okay. Totally convincing. Lots of good things to say about that Alrighty. one. All right. So, it, uh, and what I was wrong, though, it's not really, a, it's not a world, it's not a Nazi werewolf film. Yeah, right. It's something a little bit different. Interesting. There's hints that it might be, but they don't go there. Uh, so, yeah, um, if you're a horror fan, I'd, I'd check out Overlord. Okay. Um, but I, I can't really recommend Mortal Engines, but... Except for the special effects. If that, if you like that steampunk stuff, oh, you're going to love that. Okay. Well, we're going to go out with, because we did something about Mars earlier on, Life on Mars, mm-hmm. um, our Bowie track, but not by Bowie. This is a strange little one from the soundtrack of the HBO series called Girls. I haven't seen that series. Uh, and Have you heard of it before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's by Aurora. So okay, it's cool. a strange little rendition of Life on Mars. That's it for today on Zero G. And Joe, 
Bernetic, I think, is coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.